0: Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U, where there are no degrees because the learning never stops. I'm Dove, a TA here at Gooner U, and my friend Keith is our stalwart distinguished professor of arsenal and football studies. This week featured a mostly meaningless match. In the Champions League, it was match day six against PSV at their stadium, and we had a Premier League match number 17 versus Brighton, home at the Emirates. Hello, Keith. Hi Dove, I, I'm surprised you said mostly
1: meaningless. I'm not really sure the the modifier is, <laughs> what, what is shred necessary. Of there,
0: meaning I found in it.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean in a purely in a purely existential sense, none of this really
0: matters. But you know what? That's <laughs> so. Good night, everyone. Thanks for coming. Um... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I'm hedging a little bit because I realize that the points—it's like whose line is that anyway. The points don't matter. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and we'll we'll dig into this. Uh, you know, we'll we'll sort of talk about this. I think with a game,
1: uh, perhaps the champ, perhaps discussing the Champions League as a whole is a better way to talk about a game whose best descriptor at is it happened. <laughs>
0: this is a game yeah. that took place. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get there. A uh, little bit of follow-up. Um, I brought up in the past noticing the particular pennies that players warming up on the sidelines were wearing and, and wondered if they were given up by the competition or if each team provides them. I can say definitely, because I, I was looking for things to pay attention to during this PSV match. Definitely the pennies were provided by the champions league competition because they had the champions league stars on the back and it had the champions league insignia on the front of it. And it was one team like each team got their own colors one color for psv a different color for us but they were definitely provided by them so premier league may not do that we i don't think we came to a definite answer on that but champions league definitely does so hmm. <laughs> um, i've
1: always actually i'm wondering now seeing it written in our notes there is that actually the word pennies i felt it was always pennies and i don't i would just you just get told <laughs> that as a youth player like here put these pennies on okay and like you do not even really think
0: about it well wonder, is that actually the word yeah, I, I believe so. Uh, I'm now looking it up. So uh, look for some real time follow up uh, as I get an answer on this. But uh, while I look that up, um, <laughs> why don't you uh, let me know what happened uh, with our, our uh, national team this past week or a couple weeks ago now?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess this was last week. We, you know, one of those things we put in the notes, but we were so anxious to talk about. Uh, the the games of last week uh the that that mostly the Luton game not so much the Villa one but uh we, we neglected to mention internationally the uh the draw for next summer's Copa America took place uh that's going to be that's the Amer well typically the South American championship now this year acting as an America's championship uh containing of course the um the uh, will ultimately be six teams from CONCACAF from North America to go along with uh, the 10 from South America. Uh, big one for us, of course, is the draw for the, the draw for the U.S. Uh, they were drawn into a group with Uruguay, Panama and Bolivia. Admittedly, Uruguay was the team out of pot two that I kind of didn't want, but that's OK. That's OK. It's a uh, it's uh, it, it, a that, that that match is going to happen. It looks like that's going to be our third game of the group. So hopefully by that point, we'll have beaten both Bolivia and Panama, two games that we ought to win uh, and be in good position to advance out of that. Um, they've announced they've got everything lined up. We mentioned, uh, I know, for your sake, obviously, Argentina uh, it has their group lined up. Uh, they will play their second match day at MetLife Stadium down, uh, down near you, or up near you, I guess, from my perspective. <laughs> uh, they'll play Chile, which is kind of a fun uh, rematch from the last time the Copa America was in the U.S. back in 2016. Uh, those two played in the final, uh, which the Chileans won on a, on a shootout. Um, Chile has regressed substantially since then. They're, they, they're sort of a golden generation of players have sort of aged out, and uh, they're not not—they're not nearly as good, and that would be, a, you know, a, a point against Argentina would be a heck of a result. Sure. Um, there are, and see, there are... Uh, so they'll play that game there. There's a couple games here in Houston, including Mexico-Jamaica. Oh, boy, Mexico in Houston. What a surprise. Um, and uh, there's another one, yeah, Colombia-Paraguay, which does look like a fun game. I did also notice that... Uh, East Rutherford will be hosting uh, the one of the semifinals involving the teams from Group A and Group B. So you might see Argentina again, or probably will see Argentina again, assuming they reach the semifinals uh, of the tournament. Houston will get uh, the winner of Group A and the runner up of Group B in the quarterfinals. So you know if you're if you're and you know, if you're interested, if you're not in any either of our two cities, New York or Houston, you can look up on your own time where you, which one's closest <laughs> to you, and enjoy paying through the nose for what should be. I mean, I'm i joking about the price. Well, I'm not joking about the price; it will be expensive. But what should actually, what should be a really a really big and a good tournament. I'm excited. Uh, the Copa America is a lot of fun. Um, you know, to play with these kinds of the, this caliber of teams, and certainly for the U.S. not getting. Um, you know the U.S. is not going to get high a lot of high quality games competitively between now and the World Cup. This is a mm. really good opportunity for us to sort of test ourselves and see where we are. Um, you know, coming into you know, see where we are going into the
0: World Cup. So right. Um, you mentioned East Rutherford. That's where Rutgers is, right? Where you and I attended debate. Competition? No, I think? no, no, that oh, was that was it. New.
1: Well, Rutgers itself, I believe, is in Piscataway, at least the main campus. I believe yeah. we were in New Brunswick. Uh maybe it was New Brunswick. You know, East East Rutherford is the is is where the Meadowlands is located. Oh, it okay. is it, it pretty as far as I can tell, it doesn't actually exist outside of the the Meadowlands complex um it's
0: its own little town
1: <laughs> I, I i that i might be over overstating that but uh you know there's it's a pretty i mean you've been there obviously it's mm-hmm. a pretty big complex um it's got used to have giant stadium now it's metlife even though i keep calling it giant stadium um it's got a uh, the the arena that used to be home to the, the new jersey devils and the new jersey nets before they both moved to other places there's a horse big horse racing track there um there's that uh it was called Xanadu, whatever that thing, is, the ugliest looking building you've ever seen is out there. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's an int- it I, I don't know what else is actually in what constitutes the town of East Rutherford, or for example, if there's a West Rutherford, or just Rutherford, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but right there
0: off, off uh, just off, an exit off the highway, so... Right. Uh, yeah, I was I was drawing at straws trying to think of where I knew that from cuz you know, names in New Jersey. I don't I haven't been to too many different places. So <laughs> trying to cross off in my head the different <laughs> things that it could be and I picked the wrong one.
1: Alternately, if you've just <laughs> driven down the New Jersey
0: Turnpike, you've been to a lot of places in New Jersey, just, you know, That's true. through them. But anyway. <laughs> so uh, some real-time follow-up on the term penny. So it is penny. I had spelled it wrong in the notes. Um, so a single penny is P-I-N-N-Y and multiple would be Y to I and add E-S, right? Um, and apparently it is a short form of pinafore. So P-I-N-A-F-O-R-E, a pinafore, which apparently is an english style of garment uh, typically worn by kids where it's a sleeveless apron that goes over your clothing right um so that does describe the way that pennies in sports are used um so i have links to uh pinafore on wikipedia and then also penny from the cambridge english dictionary which seemed like an appropriate place to source <laughs> for something about english football so <laughs> which are pretty is, pretty sure that's also the name of a
1: Gilbert and Sullivan opera, if I recall one of the more famous ones. I think Could the fact well that I be. know what it is suggests that it's a pretty is it's a pretty well known one. But uh yeah. knowing what that is now sort of really changes the uh, it changes the meaning of that a lot. Again, I've only I've only heard of this. I don't actually know anything about it. Although it's got I'm sure one or two songs that I've heard of before somewhere. Yeah. But anyway, that says probably says more about my cultural upbringing than anything else. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're we're really looking for things to talk about this week. That's a, that's a lot of. Uh, a lot of weird English tangents. Well, look, the other options we could talk about this psv Eindhoven game, but let's be honest, we don't re- we don't remember any of it, do we?
0: Yeah, no, not not very much. I mean, do you want to talk about the one or two things worth talking about in this match before we uh, uh, move on?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we should say there are a couple of things I thought were intriguing um, early on. I mean, obviously, for people who don't know, which at this point, I'm not sure why you're watching, but uh, <laughs> PSV and Arsenal, a 1-1 draw. We finished our Champions League group, uh, four wins, a draw, and a loss which is pretty good, I think. Uh, good job, us. Interesting. Uh, this was a game we walked into, both teams walked into, and uh, none of it was going to matter. Uh, Arsenal was going to win the group. PSV was going to finish in second in the group. Uh, and so everything was lined up for that. Really the only thing that probably seemed to, I guess, potentially be interesting in terms of something to play for from either side's perspective um, PSV is I believe they they're currently on the season unbeaten at home. Um no they're oh they're currently oh wow. Yeah wow I just look up they are sixteen wins out of sixteen in the Dutch league this season. They're, oh wow they're very good. Uh yeah they haven't lost at all they haven't lost at all. They have Actually, the only the only loss they have, they have a couple draws in the Champions League. The only loss they have was the first group day of the Champions League when we beat them 4-0 at the Emirates. Right, uh, So they're pretty good. I know we I talked about this a little bit. We kind of had it seems the general belief was we kind of had a soft Champions League group. Um... Maybe not. Maybe maybe getting a 4 0 win over PSV actually does speak a little bit to our quality, perhaps. Um, yep. You know, so, but, so pretty good team, but again, nothing to play for. Uh, some interesting lineup choices. Obviously, a good deal of rotation from certainly from the weekend, which wasn't a surprise. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale got the start in goal, so good on him for making his Champions League
0: debut. Yeah, and, and um, six minutes in, he had to call over for medical attention. We were wondering if he'd even be able to finish this match, which he did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That. That. Uh, yeah. Uh, hmm. But uh, also, uh, perhaps more interesting than that, because I think we talked about that last week. We were hoping Ramsdale would get in there; that would have been good. And again, right. that was nice. Um, interesting though to see Saliba and Gabriel both getting the start in central defense. It, it wouldn't have surprised me to see one or the other of them in the in the lineup. I'm a bit surprised to have seen both of them in the lineup, especially given a lot of our lineup was a bit rotated. Um, you know, we got who's in the, uh, we have a Cedric sighting, which was, which was, (laughs) it's been a while. Um, you know, Mohamed El was playing, Jorginho, Jakub Kivior was there, Trossard, Inkedia, and Reese Nelson. I mean, we really had, you know, we're really rolling out our, our sort of our second lineup uh, in this game. And um, there was a lot of talk early on about some of the youth guys uh, Ethan Wanieri, Rural Walters, um, you know, Lino Souza, maybe one of them getting a run out, maybe some minutes at the end. The way the game played out it didn't make a lot of sense for that, which is fine. Um, but, um, you know, that's. Uh, yeah, it, it, the lineup was interesting in that regard. But other than that, I mean, Eddie and ketty had a nice goal. PSV got a nice goal to, to level. Uh, you know, we were a quality finish there.
0: Those, those goals then, were oddly similar to each other. They were both deflections off the post to go in, in and kind of a similar mm-hmm. angle. They kind of looked like the mirror image of each other. It was kind of funny.
1: <laughs> both to the And both to the same side, of the, into the same goal, on the same side of the field. Oh, um, yeah. I think yeah. ours ours yeah, on ours <laughs> like one side of the half. <laughs> theirs on the other. Yeah. Um, Perhaps the only other interesting thing is, uh, you know, late on, and I guess I wasn't too surprised to see this. Arteta put on, uh, you know, uh, some more, uh, definitely a stronger lineup. Declan Rice came on. Uh, Martin Odegaard, Gabriel Jesus made a couple of late subs, obviously trying to chase the win uh, to get the result, which would have been a quality result. Um, And in the end, we did almost get it. Uh, the, The ball was headed into the net, but was called back on an offside. Now... Offside is the call that always generates debate, so I'll ask you: <laughs> What did you think as you, as you saw that
0: coming back? Yeah. So as we saw it live, it wasn't clear. First of all, who actually headed it in because uh, Gabriel Magalesh and Jakub Kivi are both had their heads right near where the ball was. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty clear. It seemed that they could have been like, it definitely looked like it was at least a close call for offside. Once we started seeing the replays, two things became clear. It became clear that actually it bounced off of Kivior's head to go in and his body and had because the head was leading the body, I think, for both of them was onside. But Gabriel, in spite of not making contact with the ball, was in an offside position. His head was further forward than the last defender. Um, what I recall thinking at the time was that was due to him being. In an offside position in a way that affected the play, even though he didn't come into contact with the ball, because he was blocking other players from getting to Kivior, essentially, is probably what it was, where if he hadn't been in that play at all, or if he'd remained offside, it would have changed. Potentially, it could have changed the outcome. Is that pretty much what justifies the offside call there?
1: Yeah, that's the call. I mean, it's not even necessarily. I mean, the, the player you're really watching for that's that's being drawn out of position is the keeper. If the keeper has to make an adjustment to what he's doing because of the presence of a player in an offside position, that's what makes it offside. Oh, I, sure. You know, it's one of those, and it happens in real time. I want, you know, when I watched it in real time, I was like, yes, a goal. Wait, it's coming back. What? And then you watch the replay and go, oh. okay,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah.
1: see it. Um, so yeah, I, 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 you know, that's it's frustrating, but I mean, it it is the right call. Um, it, 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 there's always a bit of a judgment call there, but I look at that when I don't have any real complaints about that as a call. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it would have been nice to win, but <laughs> but it, we got the draw. We we uh only the one loss in Champions League, and uh, thus end thus endeth the Champions League group stage for us. Yeah. Um, so. Having played our, our Champions League games and now having experienced both the excitement and the tension of the Champions League and the Europa League group stages, <laughs> how how has your first champion your first season in the Champions League been?
0: Well, it's it's funny. Like th- they're obviously structurally the same. It definitely feels different getting to the end of a Champions League group stage. It's like if if we'd gotten eliminated from the Europa League group stage, I don't know how much we would have cared. I think we wanted to see him do well. And it was early enough in the season that we're still looking to that as an indicator of how far they were going to be able to go in, in the Premier League. Um but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was fun. It was good seeing the, the higher level of competition. Like it was, especially we had, we had trouble away. It seemed like we did pretty handily at home. Uh, we had trouble away in the Champions League more than I think we often do in the Premier League. I think maybe it's just the unfamiliarity of those venues compared to, like, you know, yeah, sure, Liverpool is tough, but we know what to expect better, right? <laughs> We're going to be going there this weekend. Um, yeah. But. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it was fun. It, it's, it's good. It feels like it matters to us in a way that the Europa League didn't to the same degree it did, but not as much.
1: I, I mean, I think that's largely right. The only thing I'd add to there is that I think I wouldn't have said it so much as if we had been eliminated from the Europa League. People wouldn't have cared. I think it would have been a problem because it would have been Im- incredibly embarrassing. Like we, we, there was right. no way That's we true. were not going. We were. I mean, again, you saw we were we not terribly good. We were playing a rotated lineup in the Europa League, and we still pretty much qualified fairly easily uh, in a group of PSV. Actually, and right. Remember, uh, someday, someday you'll draw someone else uh, in that one, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there. But again, I, you know, we we had what appears to be a relatively soft group. Although I wonder if perhaps if we had played at PSV earlier, um, and so like we were in a case where our last road game was uh, not PSV, but in fact even going into uh, Seville, and to think we were because we talked about that as being the toughest game, and they ended up finishing in fourth. Um, yeah, we had all of a sudden we're heading into match day six, going. All right, we really need a result at Seville, and then we would have gotten it. It would have been fine, but you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting, sort of how the sequencing of the games plays out. But yeah, I mean, you know, the Champions League just the name sort of suggests there's this there's another element to it, and it, it's fun. It's fun to be back. And uh, overall, I thought we did well. I mean, certainly we spent last year in the Europa League rotating the side heavily. We were able to do that in match day six, but we didn't do that really in the in the previous ones. We were playing a full strength lineup in those earlier games. Right, and so I think, you know, you can you can sort of see in terms of the the player selection, right? How important this game really is to Arteta and to to Arsenal to play those games.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, and, and you could you could tell by the way that the game was played, it, you could tell it didn't matter to them really either. Like it, they approached it in much the same way. I can't speak to their lineup as much because I'm not familiar with them in that way, but. Just for one thing, I mean, like the lack of physicality, right? Just like there were almost no fouls that I remember. It was like it was a very milk toast level of play. Like it was almost like a friendly, which which actually brings me to a question that I had. So like we're seeing all these players that don't get as much competition play. And clearly, they're, they're obviously training all week with the rest of a team. But as far as what we get to see and as far as them playing against Competitors that aren't on their same team, do, do they get to it all? Like Cedric Suarez, like, or Mohamed El Neni, do they get to play against players from other teams aside from the handful of times that we see them during the season? No okay
1: i mean uh, you, yeah. yeah i mean you're right i mean that's kind of that's kind of life as a uh, as a bench player in the premier league especially when you're at a club well even at, even a lower level club you know who's gonna more you know rely in some ways very heavily on their 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 starters because those are their best players and they need to stay up or you know avoid relegation and obviously for arsenal in our case you know we need to maintain that performance and that standard uh, and we have a fairly deep bench um you know, some of the players we are able to bring off the bench, uh, like for example, this weekend to have players like Kiwi or Inkedia, Trossard in particular to be able to bring off the bench and bring in, um, you know, does does speak a lot to our depth, which is partly how we're able uh, to, to to challenge for the title. Um, right. We're seeing that depth tested a little bit, uh, but as far as those other players, like y- y- you really like even look at to our uh, the closest you're going to get to truly a second team lineup would have either been what you saw. This, the midweek, or even, uh, if you think to the League Cup game, we played West Ham. And even then, just looking at the midweek game, as we talk about, got, you had Gabriel and Saliba, uh, you know, Jorginho spends plenty of time getting play. Sure. play, like that was our rotated lineup, and we're still rolling out with our top two center backs. So yeah. the, you just don't have the kind of bodies to be able to put together some kind of, uh, regular competition. Their competition comes in practice, in training, and that's where they yep. pra- and the practice in the ideas. You practice, practice, practice. People who show well in training end up playing. And Arteta has, I don't know that I don't remember if he's necessarily made comments to that effect. I mean, every every manager says that, right? You know, if, <laughs> if you practice well, you know, only the guys who practice well will play, right? You want to encourage that. But we know there are some guys. You know, if William Saliba has a howler in practice. He's still starting on Saturday. <laughs> you know, he's he's, yeah. he's a, you know Bukayo Saka, yeah. Odegaard. We know there are some of those players, but that's partly why they're those starters because they re- they bring it every time. Yeah, um, yeah, there just aren't those opportunities. You will see on occasion, friend, the club having friendlies outside of the regular schedule. Um, for a club like Arsenal, that's not going to be a thing they do very often. Mostly because they play so many games anyway. Right. Um, we're really dealing with conge- you know fixture congestion just too many games. I Man- Manchester City currently will actually take off next weekend uh because they are down in Saudi Arabia for the Club World Cup. Hmm. Um having to having just won the Champions League last year they're playing in the Club World Cup and so uh they will play I think it's uh tomorrow or of course on on Monday on on Monday night on Tuesday it'll be morning in the in mm, morning or midday in in American time they're going to play in the semifinals of the club world cup and the final is looking at my calendar I think on Friday I saw, um, (laughs) but yeah, it's just, just two extra games. Oh, and they're still playing 38 games in the league. They're still going to play, you know, obviously they're probably going to go very deep in the champions league. they could go very deep in the FA cup. I mean, you know, they're, they're where are you going to squeeze a friendly in for that? You you, you need those B, those B B team players, so to speak to, to be, to be on your on your bench, uh, well, for, yeah,
0: and and like you're saying, we don't have enough of them to fill a full squad, anyway. Mm-hmm. So it necessarily means taking away at least a few of our key players who we do expect to play in our regular competition. So yeah, I can see logistically that'd be tough to pull off, to unless you pull off some like <laughs> some youth players, I guess, with them or something like that. But yeah, that not not, not I guess that much benefit to it other than keeping their interest and. In, some level of their skills up a little bit but
1: yeah and thought of it just seeing the
0: rustiness a little bit when they first came on you
1: know and that's just and that's just the nature of the beast there's only so many minutes to go around i and you'll hear some of that in in january as we get close to the transfer window you know thinking about guys who are very clearly bench players and perhaps wanting a, a loan at least to get playing time or even potentially to be sold i i don't like I, I, heard a thing this morning about you know is there there's interest in Italy for Jakub Kivior and and I, I, our defense is too thin I I doubt you see too much of that Who knows if that's coming from him if that's Italian clubs kind of just Hey Arsenal what do you what do you think about this <laughs> um, You know you're gonna hear some of that stuff in January I don't know how I I don't know much but yeah it, when it, like anyone else you, you you do this to play. Right. You're, you're a professional athlete to play the sport. And when you don't get to do that, when you ride the bench and only play in practice, you only practice, you know, you're, you're probably going to want to go somewhere where you will play more. Um, mm-hmm. But the only to- other time I can think of you occasionally hear about what they're called closed door friendlies, which are essentially glorified scrimmages. Um, occasionally, you'll do them during the international break. Uh, I think we did one earlier this year oh, and there yeah. were a couple. And there were a couple of them that were run out uh, during uh, during the World Cup last year because it was held, well, now, actually. I think we're okay. actually just, I think it's about a year, It's we're, wow, it's been like a year since since that, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and there were, I know Arsenal played, I think we played Milan, a couple other big clubs who were all, you know, the bigger teams, we're all missing a few guys in the World Cup, but we certainly have enough people that we can at least have a scrimmage to do, essentially, what you what you talked about there, knock the rust off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. So how did you feel about uh, our group stage overall for you compared to other seasons like seeing in the Champions League, I guess, is the frame of reference I lack at this point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Overall, good. We've talked about this. I mentioned a
1: little bit. I, the sense was that our Champions League group was a little softer than many others. Um, I think given PSV's overall record, that might actually be a bit Overstated. Um, and we talked about Sevilla, who wound up finishing in fourth, who's a pretty good team. So I think that's a little, some of that's just fan banter. It's hard to, to read too mm-hmm. much into it. Um, overall, I thought we did well. It's very interesting to watch how the European sides play us very differently, how they try generally to be much more open. And then you go to the Premier League and everybody packs 10 guys behind the ball and, you know, they're parking the bus and, you know, looking to beat you on the counter. Right. Whereas here, you know, PSV tried to play with us loans tried to play with us uh, Seville tried to play with us and at whole was just demolished you know um, so that was but so overall that was I, I thought overall we did well um, I think there is still a bit of a this is still a relatively young team still a relatively inexperienced team and so to get that kind of experience in, in the Champions League in Europe I think is it's been good for them and I think it's only going to continue as we go forward um, seeing how much further we get into the competition. I'm happy with the group stage. We won the group. That's really all that matters. Um, you know, it's, we, we, yeah, we won the group. That's, that's right. the good news. And, you know, we, we, means we get theoretically the, the easier matchup starting in the round of 16, and then we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. Yeah. So uh, what is coming up for us in the round of 16? So this this was drawn this morning uh, at about 5 a.m. my time, so I woke <laughs> up to the news, which I, I knew it was coming. I knew it was early in the day, so I wasn't expecting to, to watch it live or anything. Uh, Arsenal has drawn Porto uh, in the Champions League. Porto out of the city of Porto in Portugal. Huh. Uh, we've That's played okay. them in the Champions League a couple of times over the years. Uh, they are one of the big three in Portugal. Uh them Benfica and Sporting. You may remember Sporting as the, right. the team that knocked us out of the Europa League last year. Right. Um as of this recording on Monday morning, Porto is currently third in Portugal, uh behind Sporting and Benfica. Uh they are the only I think I believe they're the only uh yes, they're the only Portuguese side remaining in the Champions League. Which isn't a isn't a huge surprise. There usually is always one. Um Pretty favorable matchup for us. Uh, definitely the, the one I was hoping to avoid in in, in the draw was Paris Saint-Germain, Pali, Inter Milan. Uh, they, they both drew other teams, which, you know, now no longer are a concern. And then we'll just kind of see how it plays out. Uh, these they, they announced. And then so our first leg uh, in Portugal will be at the... Uh, the Estadio do Dragão, the Dragon Stadium. Like that's a cool
0: name. <laughs> uh, that, that's
1: their. If you if you look at their their crest, it's it's a little hard to see. It's there at the top is a uh, there's a crown with a little dragon uh, sitting mm. in it. Um, he but so they the uh, the, uh, the the Dragon Stadium uh, is is their home. We will be there on February twenty first, mm. and then the second leg back at uh, the Arsenal Stadium. Remember, we're not the Emirates in Europe. Uh, the Arsenal Stadium <laughs> is on March twelfth, so um, that is the round and, that'll be.
0: Yeah, and so as far as the way that those legs are structured, it's the total goals between the two of them determines the winner.
1: Right. Uh, so it'll be uh, aggregate goal. Yeah, total goals uh, across the two legs. Um, I believe they have. Uh, yeah. So the okay. Yeah, they got rid of the away goals, goals rule. It used to be. The tiebreaker was uh, goals scored, or what you know, who scored the most goals in your road games, or your away games. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> and, and that they've gotten rid of that though. So now all that matters is whoever scores the most. If after the second leg it is tied, we'll have thirty minutes of extra time. Uh, and if somebody doesn't win, then they'll go to a shootout. Much, pretty much what we saw last year in the the sporting matchup. By the way, just a, a note on Porto: uh, they finished second in Group H. With Barcelona, uh, they they went won four win four wins and two losses. The two losses were to Barcelona. They actually uh, technically are technically were tied on top of the group. What I what I find most interesting about that is under the old way of doing this, the new way being head to head results of the tiebreaker. Under the old way of doing it, which would be based on goal difference, Porto would actually have beaten Barcelona. They were plus seven while Barcelona's plus six, so they are they are not a team to sneeze at. Um, hmm. They are definitely somebody who could cause us problems. I think we should win. I think we're he- we'll be heavily favored. We should be. We should win. Uh, but we, as we saw, we, you know, Portuguese teams, um, Portuguese teams know how to know how to mix it up. Uh, Porto is definitely an experienced team that knows how to play in the Champions League. You know, this is this is not going to be easy. It'll be a good test for us, though. I think in advance of getting to hopefully getting into the quarterfinals, where we're likely to see one of the bigger boys. Um, yeah. Or you know they were just as likely saying they're likely to see us as well. I think if you look at it, honestly, looking through it, I think we're probably the fourth favorite for, for the, the competition overall based on who's okay. left in it. Um, Manchester City, Bayern Munich, and Real Madrid being the, the the favorites at this point. But I think we're I don't think we're far away from that group. But we'll see how it goes. We have to beat Porto, and that's not going to be an easy thing. But that is that's yeah. February March's problem. Uh, oh yeah, it's not something we need to worry about uh, just yet. We get to we get a nice break from uh, from the Champions League, from European competition. It right.
0: It is funny the symmetry, like PSV in our group both times last year, this year, and then like round of sixteen against the Portuguese team. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So hopefully, hopefully we uh, do better this time. What did you say? So I think so. Tie breaking on goal difference makes sense. I know that from the champ or from the Premier League it's done that way too. What did you say the tiebreaker was that allowed Barcelona to come ahead of from them? Like So so yeah, so they I guess they changed that it must have been this year.
1: Uh now the tiebreaker is head to head. So basically how did the two teams do when they played each other? Barcelona won both games and so they, oh, to, they the tie. Oh, that's yeah. what you meant
0: by head to head. Okay, gotcha. Right.
1: Now now what's interesting, I mean, obviously you can't Barcelona's playing the competition that they're given. Had they had they known that the tiebreaker was in effect, I suspect Barcelona would have tried to score a few more goals in their final game to make sure they would have finished ahead. So I don't want to sit here and say, but (laughs) but it does speak, I think, to to Porto's quality. And Barcelona is not a a vintage Barcelona. They're definitely they're definitely not quite at that the level they they were certainly a decade ago when when Messi was with them and sort and when Pep Guardiola was there and sort of they're a long way from that level of Barcelona, obviously, which is one of the best teams any of us have ever seen
0: yeah. um
1: they, they ain't that anymore uh but <laughs> at least not right now but you know it's, it speaks to porto's quality that they would you know under the old system technically they would have actually won that group so uh um, right again you know there's, there's nothing to get cocky about it's a good draw it's a draw i'm happy with but you know this is the, it's gonna take it's gonna take work to win this one
0: yeah well, I bet, regardless of how little this PSV match actually mattered, I bet that they were all pretty dehydrated when when they got done, right? I, I wonder if any of them went for a stick of Liquid IV in the locker room after. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, regardless of whether they did, it's something that that we encourage uh, at you We have a partnership with Liquid IV. Um, so it is something that... I use after sports activities when I'm active, either playing soccer for myself uh, when when my toe isn't broken or coaching my son, whether my toe is broken or not. Um, I get sweated up and uh, liquid IV is there to help me not feel so thirsty after. So it is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine in just one stick you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than with water alone use it first thing in the morning before a workout when you feel run down after a long night out and on long flights there are 12 delicious refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting and it is made with non-gmo and it is free all well, non-gmo ingredients and free of gluten dairy and soy I personally love that there's no aftertaste to it, and it always uh, leaves me feeling refreshed. And I don't have to go back for more because it leaves you feeling like you know you got that like sweet taste in your mouth. You need more of it. Um, once I finish the the uh, sixteen ounces of water with the stick of liquid IV in it, I feel like I'm good to go. Um, and go back for more depending on if it's in the <laughs> if it's at halftime or after everything's all said and done. It's also super convenient to take with me. And as of now, my favorite flavor so far is still uh, strawberry lemonade. We'll see if it gets dethroned uh, when activities resume. We're going to have some winter clinics for uh, for lacrosse and for baseball, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, so if that sounds good to you and you want to give Liquid IV a shot, get 20% off and you go to liquidiv.com and use code Gooner at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Gooner. That is G-O-O-N-E-R at liquidiv.com. There's also a link in our show notes or description to make it easier. Shop Better Hydration today with Liquid IV. So... We uh, had a, a more exciting match against Brighton, I would say. <laughs> uh, definitely more interesting. Uh, made
1: doubly more interesting, I think, by the fact that the day before, Manchester City had rather shockingly drawn with Crystal Palace. it home to Crystal Palace. Palace is not good away from home. Uh, so that's hey. a really weird one uh, to, to get. But But take what you can get, man. Um, you know, so this was a real opportunity for us to put some space uh, between us and them, and the sense was we would play our game against Brighton, a team that has given us a lot of trouble at home uh, since they've come up. They were they were a good side. They've got some good players. Um, they are... That is not... This was not going to be an easy one. Um, and so for us to... to you know, for us to play the way we did, uh, we were we were frankly excellent this game. Um, we are on fire, definitely. We, yeah, <laughs> a, a dominant performance. I am um, overall, but you sort of running into some of the same problems we had with Villa, right? That mm-hmm. you, you dominate your possession, you generate opportunities, but you are not finishing very well, and that's um, it's a little frustrating. I am not line, it was a little frustrating at times. Oh, but, by the
0: uh, end of the first half, it was extremely frustrating. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs>
1: Yeah, there was there was there was a lot going on, but overall just, you know, you started you do start to worry like we generated so many chances. I think they I don't think they had a shot until the second half. Um Right. You know, just overall was a, a lot. Probably frankly the, the, the yellow cards are the most interesting, including Mikel Arteta getting a yellow card again. Um <laughs> apparently yellow cards are now given out for jazz hands. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, that, that, that is what he was doing. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Again,
1: uh, something may have been said that wasn't right. supposed to be said. You know, I don't know all the things that are. Be, but you know, it. It. it, it mm. Plenty of pe- plenty of people have complaints. Uh, plenty. Apparently, apparently, remember earlier in the season they were giving out cards for doing the. You doing the card gesture? Yeah, that that's not a thing anymore. Uh, we stopped doing that, which isn't.
0: Yeah, a- we saw it multiple times this match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw Yumi Toma. Um. Although there was maybe it was actually the Arteta yellow card. Where I forget, I forget which one it was, but someone got a yellow card for saying, "Give him a yellow card." But the yellow card he was calling for was also given. I remember noticing that.
1: Yeah, well, so yeah, that so that that came up because uh you know Ben White gives Mitoma the shirt tug, uh which you know is mm, okay. Um, it's frustrating because that same foul happens the other direction and doesn't get a yellow card, which okay. Um, shirt tug is a shirt tug, and except when it's not apparently. But adding in Arteta's dissent from that, um, it was a bit of a soft yellow, I I thought, and then it, yeah, but in Arteta, I guess probably said something similar along those lines and and you know claims he was claims he was gesturing at Gabriel at Gabriel Martinelli um, <laughs> which may or may not be true I don't know but uh, yeah. but you know those those things those those cards or the fouls given not given always land a little bit a little bit differently when you're um, when you're frustrated And you're frustrated because you've been generating so many opportunities, so many chances, and you can't score a goal. And yeah, all that stuff starts to add up. Mm. You keep waiting for that opportunity where they break the other way and get a goal they don't really deserve. Or maybe they deserve, but a lead they don't deserve. And it's just, you know, those things sort of add up cumulatively over time.
0: Yeah, one particular form of the frustrating failure to convert, they were making... They were making Brighton's keeper look really good by just repeatedly shooting the ball straight at him. At least three, four shots in the first half and I think some more in the second half where they were just shooting it straight at him. And all he had to do was like scoop it up. Like it was not, they weren't making him work for it. <laughs> yeah no the quality of the shots i
1: you know i i wouldn't say they made him look good they made his stats look good he had one or he had one or two like one or two quality saves but for the most part it was it was mostly just the ball it fit, i mean and some of that's so that is on the keeper you know the, the when sometimes when the ball comes directly to him that's a success of positioning he, it make, he makes it look easy because he's in the right place yeah. that being said i did not think a lot of the shots were terribly high quality we had a few chances where we you know, end up shooting it into the second deck as opposed to anywhere near the goal. Um, but but yeah. over but overall, yeah. I mean, we we spent the first half pretty much camped out around their 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 end. Possession was possession was pretty even, but their possession seemed to not go anywhere. We did a great job pressing them up high. We were very aggressive, pre- you know, with our press up at the up at the top of the field.
0: Oh yeah. Excuse me. No, so and so they they gave a stat on screen during the second half. It was a few minutes after the the first goal we scored, where they said we had forty touches in the opposition box. Brighton had three. <laughs> so I was paying attention to their touches in the opposition box after that, and I was it actually led me to wonder what precisely constitutes a touch in the opposition box like i guess if you're counting touches is it just literally the ball touching your foot or other playable part when you are standing in the box cuz it was not long after that they passed it into the box and Saliba or one of our defenders cleared it away and that doesn't count i think right right when it's 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 one of those stats that's just exactly what it says it is they touch yeah. the ball while in the box, um, and so when you're dribbling it, if you take like three dribbling kicks while you're teeing up for your goal, and then you shoot it, that would be like four touches in the opposition box resulting from one play. Okay,
1: yeah. Although, but cruel. think 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 about it in that circumstance, like how how I mean, where a touch really gets you. I mean, there's only so much maneuvering you can do right. with the ball in those. T- and when you get in the box, of course, the space gets compressed. And generally speaking, you don't want to dribble around in the box. You want to get yourself into a position and fire, you know, a shot or a position where you can see the net. You saw that a few times and it's, this is one of those where the angle on the screen is always so weird because you're kind of, low and off to the side and you see players cutting across and you want them to shoot, 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 but then you get that view behind the goal or behind them looking straight on the goal and you realize they can't because the defenders have you know put themselves in the position and they mm-hmm. just don't have that window to get a good a good shot on. And that's, sure. that's kind of what we're facing so much, right? So many of these defenders packing in the box, limiting our opportunities, and when stuff like that happens, you almost
0: can't score off of open play. You need set pieces. Which apparently I'm seeing we have the best record in the league for right now. And what I guess what I wonder about that. So I guess we have the highest number of corner kick goals. I do like the, <laughs> the analytical part of me wonders. Okay. But what's our percentage? Like even so that's good that we have the highest number, but do we try? Do we get even more corner kick opportunities than other teams? Or is it just that we're you know, better at converting the, a roughly same number, you know?
1: Um, I, my, my suspicion is, and I haven't looked at the numbers, I suspect it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, yeah. we, we do generate more corners than most of the league for the same reason that you would expect. We have a lot right. of possession. We, spend we have a lot of possession. Of we attempts. have
0: a lot of attempts. And when they get blocked, they result. So
1: certainly our our corners taken versus corners conceded is, is going to be a very big gap. And so that yeah. part's... That, that part certainly makes sense. I I think, I suspect we also convert a lot of them as well. Um, And, and so our numbers are going to look good, you know, because there are, there are so, our numbers are, I don't think the numbers are large enough. The disparities are large enough such that like, well, we got 10 corners. We got 10, you know, we got, we got two goals off corners. Yeah, but we took 30 of them. Like I don't think right. the numbers are quite that large in a disparity that's, you know, more the more goals you score, chances are the the higher your percentage is going to, to the better your percentage percentage is overall going to look. Especially okay. as you get further into the season, when like you know after the first three weeks, maybe you you know if you had a really tough you know if you're some poor team like a like a Burnley or Sheffield United, and you all of a sudden in the first weeks you're playing. Spurs, Arsenal, City, and Liverpool.
0: Like zero. Your, corner number, your, corner,
1: yeah, your, cor- <laughs> your corners and numbers are going to look terrible because you're not going to get any because you're seeding so much possession. Yeah. Um, but it's, we're about now, we're about halfway through. We play just. Everybody's played just about everybody at this point, so the numbers are going to start to even out. And and it, it, by the end of the season, it will even out. Obviously, some teams, uh, City, Liverpool, we would expect, will probably mm-hmm. have taken more corners. Um, but conversion of them is also a bit of skill. It's also, I think, a good uh, uh, credit to the kind of coaching we have. And they keep pointing to, I'm sure you're seeing Nico Jover as our set piece coach, the guy sitting there on the bench. Um, and it's interesting to watch how our corners change. There was a stretch there where we were doing nothing but short corners, right? Right. You know, Odegaard or somebody runs over and it's a short pass and you see them try to stretch the defense. We haven't done one of those for at least a couple of weeks, as I can mm-hmm. recall. Um, actually, I saw this. This leads us nicely into the goal, uh, the, the Jesus goal. If you looked, and and it, so I thought this was fascinating. When when the play starts, I, my first thought was interesting. We don't have anybody on the near post. Mm. We don't have anybody on the post closest to where the, the corner's coming in from. And You know, sort of the standard way you set up is you always have somebody, you have somebody there at the near post. We had nobody there. In fact, if you looked at our players, they were all on the outside of the far post. Mm -hmm. And then right as, I think that was Martinelli taking that one, right as he's, he's taking it. No, it must have been Sokka. Yeah, because the direction it was coming from would have been Sokka. Right as Sokka's running up, our guys all ran towards basically the six yard box and set themselves up there, Um, gets into the mixer, except one guy. Is he who didn't join that mix? I didn't see, but I'm guessing Jesus. (laughs) It was Gabriel Jesus who hangs behind and sits on the back post. The header gets through and Gabriel Jesus is entirely unmarked. Now, again, this is one of those when you watch the whole play develop, it makes sense. It's been set up that way to leave him unmarked. But, you know, if all you do is just sort of see the play and the goal. I mean, if you're a Brighton fan, understandably be furious. How is Jesus? How did you leave him unmarked? And they didn't. (laughs) They, right. they. I mean, the, the play was designed to get him open, yeah. and and it worked, and it was, and oh. you know, he has a real, just a real, a real uh, solid, just a class header, just dump, dumps it in well, one nil to the
0: Arsenal. Made even more remarkable by it wasn't a header plucked straight out of the air; it was off of a deflection of a Brighton player's head. So he was able in the moment to adjust (laughs) his approach. And that's what blew my mind about it was he took that could have that could have completely killed the opportunity like where it just landed in a weird way and he wasn't able to end up getting it in. But he was actually able to still do more or less what it looked like he was there to do with it. So.
1: Yeah, I mean he's in he's in position there. I mean some of it's the adjustment. I mean that's also why sometimes you throw the corner into the mixer because if you're the defender, you're also reacting very quickly to the ball, and sometimes all you can do is just get ahead to it and hope it wasn't your own net.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I still haven't forgotten. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. And, you know that you just do your best to try and get to it, and and you know he he you know he does well to get to it, but yet he only gets a slight deflection on it, ends up coming to Jesus Zeus who. Mm. Uh, Knocks it in, and as I said, one nil to the Arsenal. And ideally, at this point, what you start to see is, um, Brighton now is chasing a the result. They're 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 going after it. Uh, this is a team that scores goals. I think they said this, showed the stat there. That's been like thirty games or something. Thirty two. Yeah, it was going, in, going into yesterday. It
0: was 32 yeah. matches where they've both... were 32 where they'd scored, and then I think it was 20 or something. It was in the 20s that they'd also been scored
1: again. Yeah. So that uh, streak so, continues. Yeah. Right. That one continued, <laughs> but we, yeah. But I mean, you would think with a club like that to, to go forward, it wants to go forward, wants to push, wants to be aggressive, and they need to because now they're chasing the results, and that theoretically would open up some chances for us. The, the counterpoint to that is that for the, to a large extent we didn't let them now they did have a couple of chances, including that one that uh, that was from i think it was from gross
0: uh just wide, which yeah as a nail biter yeah whew, whew, that was a little uh <laughs> Well, was, well that, that whole play, it was like the dominoes slowly fou- falling, and it felt like this was going to be it. <laughs> Just crisis narrowly averted. It,
1: it, it is interesting. The more you watch anything, you start to develop that sense of like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like right. this. I don't like this. I don't like it. Th-. And then you wind up giving up, you know, a, a goal or sometimes a chance. And sometimes,
0: yeah, that right. one definitely
1: had that feeling. But... But he missed.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're talking about. Like, you kind of get a sense of which breakaways are dangerous and which one's like, oh, no, yeah, he broke away, but they'll they'll take care of that. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Like, there are a couple varieties. And yeah, it's <laughs> that was a dangerous one.
1: Yeah, they, they were able to generate that chance. And, uh, you know, it's one of those, uh, you know, what's say online deserves got nothing to do with it. Like. To, you know, oh, we didn't. Des- we deserved a result. We deserved this. In most cases, you know, if you deserve it so much, then score the goal. You know, but um, boy, that would have been that would have been undeserved uh, you know, to, 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 have, to for for Brighton to get a result. I mean, again, we dominated them um, throughout the game. I mean, really, and, and they are a they are a they are a really talented team. They're also in Europe. They're clearly getting stretched roster wise. Um, so that so you, you could start to see how that European competition is taking a toll on their depth. Uh, yeah, They they were missing, I think they said so they're missing a couple of key players.
0: Yeah, um, it sounded like injuries. They had, they had a bunch of injuries there.
1: Right. And I mean, so do we. And that's, that's just how it goes, you know, at this stage. Um, that's how it goes really in, in the season. Injuries are an important part of all of this, but I, I you know, it was, um, they're, they are a dangerous team. They're a good team. And so, you know, to, 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 to dominate them in the way we did was, um, was pretty impressive. I'm, yeah. I'm very, I'm largely happy with it. I'm certainly happy with it overall. Uh, it would have been undeserved. And then, you know, to the icing on the cake, of course, was, uh, was 60 million down the drain. <laughs> High average scores again. Um,
0: he's definitely getting more confident. He's definitely oh, getting, yeah. uh, looking like he's. Uh, yeah, I mean, he did still have the similar kind of like missed opportunity earlier in the match, but yeah, he he made up for it. So yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, de- you know, he got the chance and he took it, and yep. uh, you know, it was, a, it was a real quality finish. Um, and again, that's that song cracks me up. I just it's <laughs> the 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 the, uh, the Havertz song. I don't I don't know why, but it really does. Um, um, but anyway, yeah, it's yeah. uh that that's a that's a good win, you know. That's a they're not yeah. it's a good performance. I and I've been looking here, I've been trying to find. Arteta has a comment had a comment after the game about the quality and and Deserby the the Brighton manager. It sort of said something similar, like you know, it, Brighton is a good team, and to to beat them, to dominate them in the way we did, and to to beat them. Um. Is it, it it is a really good result, um, especially heading into uh, heading into the holidays. Sort of the next we talk about the sort of the next phase of the season. We don't mm-hmm. we now have a day we now have a week off. and We don't have a midweek game for the first time right. in a couple weeks, and we head into the holidays. Um, it's a good result to get us there.
0: Well. And I mean, the, it's, it's as if somebody was like scripting the results where, so we pull off, you know, a a not super easy victory earlier in the day yesterday with Liverpool still yet to play their match. So I ended up, I was watching the replay. I was watching it at night after both matches had been long done at that point and. I hear Rebecca Lowe or someone saying, like, you know, we, we'll need to see what the result is. And then I start looking. I was like, oh, oh, they drew. Oh, man. And so then I watched the last, like, five minutes against United that Liverpool played. And I, I saw the draw happen. And, yeah, so we're top of the table again because they drop points. So, yeah, uh, they Liverpool had
1: 34
0: shots. Oh, my God.
1: And didn't score. Now, apparently they weren't, a lot of them weren't very good ones. Uh, you know, they're not a lot of high quality there, but still. And, and this, this was kind of, this was shocking. I mean, Manchester United. Yeah, their record looks okay, but they are, they have not been good. They got dumped out of Europe in the Champions League. They ha- that hasn't been helpful to them. Uh, the last time they played, li- last year when they played this game, uh, Liverpool beat them 7-0. Uh, the other game last year was, yeah, last year they, um, they played them twice, 7-0 and 4-0 to Liverpool. Um, so they have, they have hammered. Uh, united recently and that's an old rivalry that's not a huge surprise that when, given the chance liverpool will rub united's face into it um <laughs> there's a that's an that's an old rivalry the two northern two northern cities um but yeah to come away with it with the nil nil um that's yeah. uh yeah, boy, that is that is interesting. But we're right up there. Uh, Aston Villa got a win as well. They are, I, you know, I I think long term they'll probably fall away, but they're right in it, and there's a pretty good chance um, they're actually going to be, you know, they they might end up being top of the league. Um, yeah, they they actually they they actually are going to start. Uh, they could. They by the end of the weekend they start their game is on Friday. They're home to Sheffield. Dreadful Sheffield. (laughs) And as we'll talk about in a moment, obviously Arsenal and Liverpool, one of them is ready to draw points. The Um, last piece
0: that looks like it was scripted. Like it was like, so we pull ahead of them just in time to play them, and mm -hmm. that's going to obviously have a big effect on the top of the table.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a pretty good chance Villa's Villa's going to, Villa will, I mean, you say probably, I mean, you never know. It's Premier League. Anyone can beat anybody, but there's a pretty good chance we're going to enter the game on Sunday um, or enter Saturday's game you know, beh- both of us tr- looking up at Villa and there's a, there is a non-zero chance that Villa is on top of the table at Christmas. Right. Um, which is wild to think about. Um, yeah. But, but that's, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, again, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, good, good, good for Villa for being in that position. We'll see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it, it's it's tight up there in the, as we enter the holidays. As we enter this, we'll talk about sort of the stretches of the season. This I think is the next real stretch is getting us into is through the holidays and into the beginning of January when we hit the FA Cup.
0: Um, right. All right. So, who would you call for a player of the week? Ah. Um, this was
1: an interesting one because, of course, we were so heavily rotated midweek. I think yeah. you could put in a good shout for either of the center backs, Gabrielle or Saliba, because of their, uh, you know, her playing both games. Um, well, probably not Gabrielle because he did he did kind of cost us the win at Eindhoven. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I actually think I'm going to say I'm actually going to say uh, Jesus. I think. Because we were very dangerous late on when he came on the field in the the PSV game, um, he converts the opportunity. He creates so many things when he's on the field. I'm going to say Gabriel Jesus. I almost said Martin Odegaard, but um, he had a couple of couple of uh, really tough misses in the in the the Brighton game where if we didn't score two goals, you know, would have been really would have really come back to haunt us. Uh, mm-hmm. So sorry, Martin Odegaard, you only had a really good week as opposed to a player of the week. <laughs> Week, uh, so I'm going to say Gabriel Jesus. That's what what I saw.
0: All right, for me, so Jesus was in the running. Um, I ultimately was really impressed this time by Martinelli, even though he didn't. I don't think had a goal contribution. Even I don't think it worked out yesterday, but. Um, he had, he had a really great match, like just constantly, ju- just, I mean, for the number of corner kicks he took alone, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a lot. It was, there was a period there where it was just like corner kicks like every minute. Um, but a lot of the threats that we were generating, putting the pressure on them all throughout the match were all coming from that left side so much of the match, which is different for us. Usually our threats are very heavy on the right side with Sokka and Ben Mm -hmm. White. So seeing that, that was good. And, you know, it was was another week where I'm seeing him in, in his superior form. Like, you know, we'd lost that for a little bit, but it looks like, uh, he's, he's in good shape. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Um, one last thing I wanted to pose to you. It's a question I've been wondering about for a while, and it definitely seemed to be the case again this week, as it was also last week. Um, when substitutions are made, I very often notice that if goals have been scored, if, assuming we're talking about like late, Match late Mm -hmm. second half substitutions, like at least midway through the second half. Um, It seems like anyone who has scored a goal is very likely to be substituted out. Not quite guaranteed, but very likely to be one of the first substituted out. Is that a coincidence or is there a reason for that? What's going on there?
1: Um, So there's two angles to that. One, I think, is coincidental um, because you notice them because they're the goal scorer. So you're thinking about them as they come off. Um, but I think the other one, which may lend credence to what you're seeing, is that in a lot of cases, the subs are made tactically. So the goal scorer comes off because, well, you're up late and you want to sub off a forward player, an attacking player for a defensive player. The idea being we need to pack it in, hold it, hold down the game. So chances are that's probably what's going on. What it really is is more the tactical shift of removing an offensive player for mm-hmm. for a, um, uh, for, a def- for a defensive player. Um, Other than that, every sub is kind of its own story. You don't really know who's maybe nursing an injury, or maybe you know somebody's coming back, and so like, okay, they're going to play 60-70 minutes, and then we'll take them Mm. over, you know. Um, So I think it's just one of those, not so much the goal scorer himself is the one who's taken off, but rather the role he fills is either being switched or changed um is is probably what you see. It does lead to a nice moment. The guy who scores the goal is coming off, and so gets a nice round of applause mm. as he walks off. And, of course, you know, as you take your time coming off the field, they'll clap to the fans <laughs> as well, which is always
0: nice. Oh, yeah. I guess part of why I was wondering it is, statistically, do you think that it's like – Well, they've scored a goal. There's only a certain percent chance that any given player is going to score in a given match. And so get him out of there. He's had his goal. Put someone else in there. Can maybe score instead but it sounds no. like probably not no. i get what
1: you i get what you're saying on that but no that's not how that that's not how any of them actually think of You know he's due is the the gambler's falla the gambler's fallacy right 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 it keeps coming up heads it's definitely going to come up tails this time nope 50 50 every time actually i learned I, I did something about this it's actually 5149 to come up heads fun fact always call heads <laughs> interesting the weight on the coin something like that yeah yeah well, if it's a new coin, the older it gets, everything just smooths down. It's basically the same. But especially newer coins, call heads. Oh, talk to Harvey Dent. All right. So so what's coming up for next week? Uh, next week, just one game, no midweek game. But boy, what a game it is. Um, on Saturday, Arsenal goes to Anfield. And we'll play Liverpool. Uh, massive game in the league. Uh, massive game, uh, you know, uh, for, for both of us, obviously being up near the top thinking about Champions League, uh, well, not just the Champions League spots, but thinking about the title race. Uh, Interestingly enough, we are actually about to play Liverpool three times in the space of about a a little more than a month, because we are going to play them, obviously, this weekend, uh, our last game before the holiday, uh, before Christmas. Uh, We will then play them in the the FA Cup. We drew them at home on January 7th. Well, the first weekend of January, in our case, will be the 7th, that's Sunday. And then we will actually play them. The home Premier League game uh, is on February 3rd, hmm. which, at, you know, because of the way the season played out, that is the last time we'll play Liverpool this year. Right. Because they are not in the Champions League, so we can't draw them. Uh, we're, we're done with our league games with them, and, you know, one of us is going to be out of the FA Cup. So, right. <laughs> um, and they may still be in the League Cup. I don't know. I don't care. We're not in it, so it doesn't matter. But yep. um, <laughs> So, yeah, we're about to, we're going to see Liverpool or, you know, we're, Liverpool and Arsenal are going to play each other three times over the next, uh, looks like, seven weeks. Um, right. It's pretty wild. And, uh, you know, some of this is the, what. it really just depends on how you say it, right? On the one hand, we're locked in here with them, but also they're locked in here with us. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, cool looking forward to it that one's going to be on nbc and also streaming same time at peacock as i found out with some match a couple of weeks ago that yeah, we got when world soccer talk says nbc and peacock yes it is simulcast to both places so you can stream it or watch it with a cable subscription so well it's nbc it's over the air you didn't need cable for that yes
1: <laughs> rabbit ears <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, funny, random side story. So actually, uh, so I have AT&T as my cable. Uh, AT&T is apparently currently in a dispute with uh, KHOU, which is the CBS affiliate in Houston, uh, which is particularly funny because CBS is the one who broadcasts the NFL team, the Houston Texans. So since I have at and I can't actually watch the local team. Oh, um, although the newspapers at one point, they suggested, so, well, you could always just get, in, get rabbit ears. You can yeah. just get the antenna and you can watch then. Um, or most likely go to a uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there are also other ways to stream games that may or may not be shown that we're not going to talk about over uh, over the air like this.
0: <laughs> Matey. Uh, we, we will encourage everything to be on the up and up. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we do not encourage sketchy websites on the <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us at GoonerU. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and some other places. And we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you're watching on YouTube, and if you're not, please try it. I think you'd like it. Like and subscribe. To support the show even more, you can become a Gooner U super superfan for ad-free episodes and bootleg recordings available the night we record, plus bonus segments sometimes. So, and always a little extended segment after we're done. We uh, banter for a little bit before we uh, stop recording. So it's only a dollar a month, and there's a link in the show notes to join. Thanks again to our sponsor, Liquid IV. You can find them with our special link in the description. And you can follow our show on Twitter at Show for updates and to ask questions. Again, my name is Dove. You can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith. And you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Come on, you gunners.